0: Welcome to the Museum of Femininity, a podcast where I, Charlotte Appleyard, discuss random topics of interest that relate to social history, art and material culture through a female lens. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Museum of Femininity. In today's mini episode, I will be analysing the painting Olympia by Edouard Manet a highly erotic image which is key to understanding changing attitudes to artistic subjects and the depiction of women in the 19th century. Edouard Manet was born in Paris in 1832 and was a revolutionary artist who pioneered the naturalistic and expressive Impressionist movement. Throughout his artistic career, he longed for recognition and idolised The old master painters of the Renaissance. However, when he subtly changed his style in 1863 to include harsher contrasting colours – Manet is famous for his lavish use of black – there was an outcry in the art world and he was refused the chance to exhibit in the Salon. Like many artists of this period, His style was influenced by Japanese woodblock prints which have a more playful, atmospheric approach to colour and composition. In addition, he favoured the theories of the poet and art critic Charles Baudelaire who urged him to become a, quote, painter of modern life. Following Baudelaire's advice, he updated classical themes. These early works, however, were much mocked but interested a younger group of artists who would form the key players in the Impressionist movement. Although there is much of Manet's style and choice of subjects and models which links him to this movement, he never exhibited with them, but did continue to paint outdoors and experiment, while always craving recognition from the Salon. Olympia is an oil-on-canvas painting, that was completed in 1863 and was indeed the subject of immense scandal. It depicts the classical theme of Venus lying languidly on a bed, propped up with one elbow bent on a voluminous white pillow. She is wearing a gold bracelet with a black ribbon around her neck, earrings and a pink flower pinned to her sleeked back, auburn hair. Another hand rests casually on her upper thigh, concealing her private parts. Legs crossed, a high hill hangs from her foot as if about to fall off. The floral bedsheet is dishevelled beneath her naked body, and a black servant stands by the side. She is dressed in a contemporary white dress, with her hair concealed beneath a scarf. There are also coral earrings hanging from her ears, and cradled in her arms is a beautiful bouquet of fresh flowers. On the end of the bed, a black cat is poised to pounce, but the main subject ignores this activity and instead gazes out directly to the viewer with a direct expression, as if daring us to come closer. The model is called Victorine Meurent. She was an artist's model for many of Manet's paintings, including Luncheon in the Park and also modelled for Edgar Degas. She went on to become a successful artist in her own right, even being accepted to exhibit in the Salon, something Manet never achieved. I think it's important to stress this, as the realism of the painting and the honesty of the subject can make you mistakenly believe she was actually a real prostitute. As well as this, this podcast always strives to highlight hidden female artists, particularly those who worked as artists' models and were overshadowed by their male artistic companion. The black maid was a frequent model for Manet as well and was called Laurier. Unfortunately, her surname is unknown. Unlike many depictions of people of colour, she is wearing a 19th century French dress instead of the exoticised attire commonly worn by models. By also maintaining an air of modernism, Manet was further drawing attention to contemporary truths of the era, that there was an ever-growing number of free black people in France following the abolition of the slave trade in the French colonies. Here Manet depicts Laurier as a wage-earning citizen of Paris, a far cry from the bare-breasted harem women commonly seen in paintings of that time. There are other interpretations of this work. Some would say there is camaraderie between the women, that due to sex and race they are socially limited to work in certain areas, that they share the scene and the white woman is looking disdainfully at us while reclining in a state of comfortable familiarity beside her servant. Or is she dismissing Lorette and acting as if she is not even there? Perhaps it is not Lorette she is ignoring, but the symbolic bouquet of flowers bestowed upon her by an unwanted lover. Maybe some would critique this work and state that Lorette is placed in a subservience role. That her clothing, although of the, that century, is outdated, and she, like the cat and flowers, is a symbol of the woman's sexual impropriety, as women of colour, as previously discussed, appeared often in scenes depicting prostitution or loose morals, particularly in an exotic setting. It is difficult to know Manet's true intentions, and it is also difficult to not analyse works of art through a strictly contemporary lens. Looking at the evidence, you can interpret the implications in a number of ways. It is also telling that in Manet's supposedly preparatory painting of Loret, which shows a lively and realistically sketched woman of colour, smiling warmly, wearing a necklace and earrings, as well as a headscarf and dress, which seems similar to that in the final image, this painting was named, quote, The Negress, an art historical label that strips people of colour of their identities. I hope you will take this information and assess the picture for yourself as it can shed fascinating light on how black women were viewed, as well as women in general. So why was this painting so controversial? Of course, by today's standards, Olympia is considered a masterpiece, but when it was originally painted, the artistic landscape was quite different and what was favoured by academic circles Rather more fantastical. Understanding this is key to understanding why Olympia was so salacious. The subject of Olympia is typical. Classical depictions of goddesses and nymphs had been a hallmark of high art for many centuries, along with monumental glorifying paintings of famous historic subjects or biblical themes. The classical roots of the image cannot be denied, Even the reclining pose has been a common hallmark of Venus paintings for centuries. There is even such a depiction in an ancient Roman fresco on the walls of Pompeii, where Venus is seen spread out across a shell and being carried along by the waves. Other well-known examples include the Venus of Urbino by Titian, which, like Olympia, depicts a woman staring at the viewer with flirtatious directness. In addition, as was quite common in Renaissance images of classical subjects, the setting is contemporary, with an attendant rooting around in a chest behind her, clearly adorned in the fashion of that time. Once more, there is an animal present, a curled-up dog, which was a common symbol of fertility. However, an old master, Manet, is not, and this is evident that he's painting which have been regarded quite differently to the Venus of Urbino. Perhaps it is because the woman in Titian's work is clearly of a high status and there are illusions of marriage within the painting itself, which is lacking in Olympia. There are other reasons for the distinction, however, and why critics prove to be so harsh. This is mainly to do with the traditional academic taste of the time, but also Manet's technique which we will come to in a moment. Perhaps it would be useful to assess another painting of Venus that was favoured by the Salon at the same time. The artist Alexander Cabanel painted his Birth of Venus which was accepted by the Salon in 1863. Here we see a beautiful naked woman sprawled out across the ocean waves her hair rippling perfectly around her as she holds her arms up to shield her face as if sleepily blinking into the sunlight. Above her, a chorus of putti frolic and gather around her, with two blowing on shells as if to announce her arrival. Her nudity is much more apparent and her attitude passive, unlike the forthright Olympia. However, the image is unquestioningly a fantasy and deeply artificial, shrouded in the guise of a respectable classical subject, it is still ultimately a titillating display of feminine sensuality. I think the pre-Raphaelite artist Millais's assessment of this work is quite interesting. He writes, quote, I've never seen anything that seemed to me such a real and direct appeal to the passions of bankers and stockbrokers. They appeared to me so gross a provocation that I was astonished that women dared to halt in front of them. Yet these pictures have been accepted with enthusiasm by distinguished men and considered as the expression of supreme grace. Cabernet's Venus was designed to be stared at, Olympia's seemed to be designed to return and challenge the gaze, involving the viewer in the scene. It did not take critics long to come to the conclusion that this was no goddess but a prostitute. With her contemporary clothing and black female servant, it could not be denied that this was a woman who was unabashful about displaying her nakedness and based on the fact she was still wearing her accessories, had perhaps only moments before been with a man. There are also symbols which point to this, including a black cat, which evoked sex, and the flowers, too, which were also a common symbol of sex, as they were seen to represent the female organ. John Berger, in his book Ways of Seeing, theorises that a nude existed for the male gaze, and painters were always thinking about the viewer instead of the subject in the work of art. If a woman is in love, she is almost always nude, and often displayed purposefully to be enjoyed by the patron. Take the painting of Cupid and Vino by the artist Bronzino, who was a Baroque painter in Italy. Her body is twisted in a way that is incredibly unnatural, just so the viewer can get a full view. The objectification of the female body can also be felt in the artist's own sexual preferences, as he will paint the ideal beauty based on what his tastes. like Ruben's fleshy, voluptuous beauties, or the artist will play to the tastes of the time. Be it large hips or small breasts, you will see similar figures throughout the canon of art history, completely void of individualism. Manet's Olympia broke this tradition. He subverted expectations by making Olympia an active participant, so obviously modern in her apparel, and so clearly a uniquely real person, rather than just a superimposed naked body created to appeal to the ideal sense of beauty for that time. In turn, he probably held a mirror up to the art patrons, who enjoyed looking at female nudes confronting them with the reality of male lust. This was not the only issue critics had with the painting. Unlike the work of Cabanel, it did not adhere to the academic tradition of minute detail and non-existent brush strokes. There was something immediate and expressive about his brushwork, creating the effect of him having completed it in a moment of impulse. To the 1860s eye, however, It would have seemed rushed and incomplete. Now we can see early whispers of Impressionism capturing a moment. However, despite this, Manet does show his differences to these artists who came slightly after him, as he is still clearly composing an image rather than painting from what he sees around him, like a view from a street or capturing a woman drinking in a cafe. This is a very intentional composition. But despite this and the possible lack of spontaneity, his combination of taking inspiration from old master traditions and updating them and having a new approach was definitely revolutionary and highly influential. Perhaps this is because, to a certain extent, he is deconstructing the academic hierarchy as this painting cannot be strictly put in a box. It is both a portrait, which was considered to be a lesser form of art, but also the subject derived from the classical world, which was a form of high art. Later, Manet would absorb some of the Impressionistic hallmarks, but always remained an individual. Many said his death in 1883 marked the end of Impressionism, and the beginning of post-Impressionism and symbolism. In conclusion, Olympia is a wonderful work of art that marked the beginning of a new era in French painting, which was more immediate, expressive and rooted in reality, compared to the grandiose work of the Salon. In terms of its depiction of women, it evoked a sense of realism combined with nudity, which was clearly shocking at the time. However, looking back, it still seems daring and exciting, with the woman in question catching the male gaze rather than accepting it passively. Although there were still instances of idealised nudes since this point, I think it marks an important change where women of all social standings were starting to be put forward and depicted by artists in a raw and true-to-life manner. I hope you enjoyed this mini episode of the Museum of Femininity. If there are any more paintings you would like me to analyse, please let me know on Instagram. In fact, Olympia was suggested to me by someone on Instagram and I really enjoyed that and appreciated this person reaching out to me. So I would love to hear from anyone else if there is another painting you think would be interesting to hear about or you know if you have Anything you want to add to the conversation about Olympia, um, then please do get in touch. It would be great to hear from you. I will include images of everything I've mentioned and all the resources will be in the uh, show notes. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, The next episode should come in a few weeks and it will be about royal mistresses. So I hope you come back for that. But until then, goodbye.